If you're looking for a podcast on navigating the difficult relationship, whether that's with your partner, a friend, or one of those relatives, the one that you really don't want to see at family reunions, then go ahead and check out my other podcast over at loveandabuse.com. Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I am here to help you learn how to deal with difficult people and tackle life's challenges without compromising who you are. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. I guess I'm a professional too, but not that kind of professional. <laughs> seek a mental health professional or a therapist or whatever. If, you know, you need it. I don't like to push anything on anyone. I'm actually all about pursuing the self-help route first. But, you know, you got to make the disclaimer just in case it's a little deeper than you can handle yourself or you need to talk to somebody else. I highly recommend it. So that's why I say that I personally like to go as much as I can into the self-help route first. And that usually means asking myself, a lot of questions, especially when I get emotionally triggered. I used to walk around with emotional triggers all the time. I used to be ready to be triggered. I could be triggered by something that was seemingly innocuous and it would make me upset. And so I finally started healing by asking myself questions. I've talked about drill down questions in the past. Um, and they're basically questions that go deeper and underneath what you're experiencing. Or in my case, what I was experiencing. If I felt jealous, you know, in my past, I used to feel jealous. And so I'd ask myself simple questions at first, like, why are you jealous? <laughs> why are you jealous, Paul? Well, I'm jealous because, and then I would come up with an answer. And then I would dig into it even further. So let's just say my answer was uh, because I'm uh, I'm worried about competition. I'm worried about, I'm worried that that my partner is going to like that person more than me and leave me. There's actually two things in there. I said I'm worried about competition, which means I probably have a, a low self-esteem or, or low self-worth because if I was worried about competition, you know, how do I feel about myself? So that might be in there and I need to dig into that. And I'm not really thinking this now. This is in the past when I used to be jealous and possessive and controlling and all kinds of stuff. So I'm not that person anymore, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot on how to dive into my own stuff and then share that with you. I come on the air and share this stuff with you and I try to share everything I know. So um, those are called in in my book, drill down uh, questions. And when you ask yourself drill down questions, I say keep drilling until either the drill breaks or there's absolutely nowhere else to go. You can't go any further, any deeper. And I can almost guarantee you at least 98% of the time you can go one, one foot deeper or one small section deeper, one layer deeper than you currently are. For example, Paul, why are you jealous? That would be my question back then. And I would say, because I don't want uh, my partner to like that person and leave me. And then I would ask another drill down question. It gets deeper into it. And sometimes uh, these are what I call stupid questions that heal or lead to healing. And it might be, well, what's the big deal if she leaves you? which is a stupid question because that's a big deal. But I like to ask stupid questions. They're not really stupid. They're very smart. But I call them stupid questions because they're obvious. Well, it's obvious. If she leaves me, I'd be sad. Well, Paul, let's drill into that. What's the big deal about being sad? Why do you care if you're sad? Or what's the point of not being sad? You know, I, I ask myself questions regarding the emotions and the thoughts that I think, the emotions I feel and the thoughts that I think, so I can get underneath 
why I feel those things. And so I, I've talked about this a lot in other episodes. I'm not going to get into drill down questions today. Well, we'll see. I have a an email I'm going to read and we'll see if we get into any drill down questions. But I like to share that with you because it was a, a major part of my healing. Keep drilling down. Keep drilling under. Ask the obvious questions. Well, Paul, what's wrong with being alone? Well, if I'm alone, I'll feel lonely. What's the problem with that? What's wrong with feeling lonely? Well, I don't want to feel lonely. Why? Well, it's a, a crappy feeling. I don't want it. What's wrong with feeling crappy? You know, you keep diving in and you keep doing it until you get somewhere deeper that you haven't considered. And yeah, it, it, it's easier when somebody facilitates this, of course. It's a lot easier, but you can do this. I have many episodes where I ask these kinds of questions. So if this is your first time listening, you can look for those. And um, I even have an article called Stupid Questions That Lead to Healing at TheOverwhelmedBrain.com. And that's going to guide you as well. So I guess I just thought of that to open today's episode. And I hope that's helpful to you. Don't ever think that you're, uh, this is it. This is all you get. And this is all that life is. Because again, I'm, I'm 98% certain that you haven't drilled down or dug deep enough when you think you're stuck, when you think there's no more. There's usually more. There are usually things that you haven't considered, or maybe you have considered them, but you haven't gone the depth that I like to go in myself, like I'm sharing now. Like I like to go to the worst case scenario. Like how bad is it to be alone? And then I'll say, but if I'm alone... I'll feel unloved. How bad is it to feel unloved? Why is that a bad thing? How bad is it to feel unworthy? You know, why is that a bad thing? These are important questions when you're feeling down, when you're on the verge of being emotionally triggered, like I was for many years. These are important questions or any questions that you ask yourself to help you reflect are important. So my first step into helping myself is the self-help route. And then if I can't figure it out, I go to someone I trust. My fiance, my partner, Asha, I ask her, like something's going on with me. I want to talk about it. I can't get past it. And she's usually a little bit more um, assertive. <laughs> she will get straight to the point. And she actually has a lot of experience in helping people uncover what's going on under there because we both have a background, a training in um, different mental health areas. And it's very helpful when you find someone like that. But at the same time, your partner or close people can't always be your coach or your therapist. Sometimes you're so close to someone that they're kind of in the circle and because they're in the circle or in the same fish tank, you really can't address some issues because you're both involved. It's like I'm close to, to some things in our lives. Well, I'm close to everything in our life. But if she were to ask something that upset her and I was part of that upset in some way, even if I wasn't the cause of it, but I was part of it, I knew a lot about it, I may or may not be the best person to ask because I have biases. I have uh, my own perceptions because I've been in the relationship for so long. Those perceptions might be skewed by what I already know. That's why it's a lot easier to work with people that I don't know well, or I don't know their challenges. Because if you don't know someone's challenges, then you don't have a history to skew your perception or make you say things that may not help them, if that makes sense. I mean, if you know too much, about somebody's challenges, then you're more likely to think about it consciously instead of help guide them from a very disconnected viewpoint. Because if you're too close to someone, you're more likely going to guide them from a place of emotion and love and wanting them to be in a better place, which is, you know, I believe everyone should do that anyway. But it's a little harder because uh, you're so close to them. And if you were to guide somebody with love who, let's just say, broke the law and the right thing to do is to turn themselves in, 
Your love might be to keep them free of going to jail. <laughs> that's a um, that's a thin ice topic I'm not going to get into right now. Because yes, decisions for helping people should be done with love and care. But sometimes it can skew our decision-making process, which is why it can be helpful to be uh, a disassociated party, <laughs> a disconnected party, which is why it can be helpful to find a mental health professional if you need one when you need one or at least someone that you trust that may not be so involved that they might have a certain opinion that uh, might not be as helpful as it could be so anyway thin ice stuff i'm not going to go into that <laughs> i'm going to get into this email who um this person wrote she said thank you for your podcast i uh, feel like a big part of the listeners are retired people pleasers and I was really wondering how to deal with people pleasing your own therapist. Speaking of mental health professionals, uh, retired people pleasers. That's an interesting perspective. I think it's probably half and half. I think half the people listening now are people, well, not half, maybe a quarter. A quarter of the people listening now maybe are people pleasers. And maybe the rest are working on it, are better at not doing it, or are retired. But I think it's a mixed bag, really. So they go on to say, I have had the same therapist for six years now, and she is very chaotic. She's always running late and talks about her own situations often. Maybe it is to make the situation more relatable, but I do feel like sometimes the sessions benefit her more than me. A few weeks ago, at the end of a therapy session, she mentioned that she would be out of the office for a month and a half. I felt very unsafe that she didn't mention this before, and that we didn't have like an emergency contact plan or sheet, but I didn't say anything on the spot. Last week, I was able to send her an email explaining that I'm doing okay, but that it felt unsafe for me, and I can tell that I'm withdrawing or creating distance. I feel like after I sent her this email, it really triggered her anxiety. She started texting and emailing to hop on a call with her, and I told her on both text and email that I'm really okay, but just wanted to inform you that this is what it meant for me. Uh, you know, I didn't feel safe. I was um, trying to figure out what I'm going to do if you're not going to be there. I wasn't able to hop on a call with her because I was at work. And I also actually didn't feel like I wanted to and was now doing this just to make her feel better again. Okay, I really look forward to your input. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for sharing that. And um, okay, so let me give you my experience. My experience with some therapists, many of them, is that they have challenges themselves that they are working on and helping people tends to help themselves and also help others. And a lot of therapists, I shouldn't say a lot, but some therapists will seek out a profession in therapy because they have their own issues and for many reasons, really. Um, but one of them might be because they don't want other people to deal with what they had to deal with, or they don't want other people to experience the trauma or the abuse or the challenges that they did in their life. And they've done some healing or maybe they've healed completely and they come out and help others that have healed as well. But some therapists, some mental health professionals, some counselors, some coaches are still going through their stuff. They still have stuff going on in their lives. And I think it's ultra important that a therapist or people helper of any sort doesn't bring their own personal problems or dysfunctions into a client professional relationship. A um, client doesn't need to know that their therapist or people helper, their mental health professional, is going through a crisis or anxiety. They don't need to know that because then it does reverse the roles. Because if you went into therapy, let's just say that you were a people pleaser. If you went into therapy as a people pleaser and you found out that your therapist was having a hard day, what's a people pleaser going to do? They're going to want to help that therapist and have a, have a better day. And I'm just going to be blunt right now. A therapist or any professional that charges money to help you through emotional issues and mental health issues, that is a business relationship. And it should be a business relationship. Now, what does that mean? That means that 
you shouldn't turn it into a friendship where you are now, and again, this is another thin ice topic, but I believe you shouldn't necessarily go down the friendship route until you're done with the business aspect of therapy or counseling or coaching. This is a personal opinion. This isn't um, in general what everyone thinks. I'm just relaying something that's personal to me. Now, I say this having had very friendly interactions with my clients when I used to be a coach that did one-on-one sessions. I used to do coaching. I did it for years. And I had a lot of one-on-one sessions. And I felt like my clients were my friends. But I never called them outside of business hours where we would talk our session hours. And I never made plans with them. I I don't do that. Uh, I might have done it once a long time ago. But it is something that I don't practice because once that kind of relationship becomes a friendship, they are involved in your circle, your circle of influence, their circle of influence. You are involved in their life. They are involved in your life. And the therapeutic or coaching relationship can change. And it can become more challenging for both people. Usually more challenging for the the mental health professional or coach or healer. It's usually more challenging if they are now more of your friend, or at least half and half friend and therapist, friend and coach. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm not saying that you can't be friends with the person that helps you. It absolutely is possible. It does take a special type of person to be able to do that, to be able to separate because I can put on my, I'm not patting my own back here, but I can put on my coaching hat with some of my best friends and not have our personal relationship be affected by it. But it's taken a long time to do that. And some people don't know how to do that. I'm not putting them down and pushing my ego up. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying that there are people out there that may not know how to do that. And when you run into somebody like that, it could create an environment like this where this person thinks that their therapist is a people pleaser. And now their therapist is expressing anxiety in so many words. And how does this person deal with that? Because they have their own issues and that's what the therapist is for let alone now what does the client in a therapist setting or a, a therapy session think about the therapist and their effectiveness? Well, you know, if they can't handle their own anxiety, how are they going to handle mine? That can happen. So that's another reason why it's not the greatest idea to express all the personal issues in your life if you're a therapist or people helper or if you're the client and the therapist or people helper, whoever it is, has uh, expressed their personal stuff to you. And um, it has affected the relationship and you've uh, grown closer because of it. Now, again, I'm speaking from my own personal viewpoint with the knowledge and the irony that I tell you everything. (laughs) I tell you what has gone in my life, what I have gone through. Mostly everything I've told you is stuff I've healed from. Again, I'll use the 98% thing. 98% of what I've told you I've healed from. There's 2% that every now and then kind of sneaks up on me. I'll usually share that. But we're not we're not one-on-one. You don't pay me, at least to come on the air and talk to you like this. It's a, a free podcast, so it's a different scenario. And you, it's, a, it's just a different thing. So when it comes to professional help, and now I guess I'll, I'll, I'll answer this person, I think it's important not to have such a close relationship that you feel like you have to calm your therapist down. You have to make them feel better because that's a role reversal. And I think that's what it's important to look for in anyone that heals or helps you process stuff is that you don't want the roles to be reversed. I mean, imagine if I came on the air every week, I say, okay, now I have this new problem. And, oh, God, I don't know how to handle it. I keep getting triggered. I keep getting upset. If I kept doing that, I mean, a lot of people might continue to listen. They might think, wow, I really hope he is better next week. I better tune in again. (laughs) That might keep the listeners engaged, I guess. But 
I wouldn't want to do that. I, I That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense for me to reverse the role. And instead of being a guide or a teacher or, or however you see me, I am now a client of yours in a way. I'm now a client of yours. Now, that doesn't mean I don't ask questions like, what would you do? What do you think? And that's a, a great question because I want you to reflect on this too because you help others. No matter what role you're in, no matter who you are, you help others in some way. There's always somebody that comes up to us at certain points in life and asks us a question or tells us something that is affecting them and they want your input. They would like your guidance if you have any, or they just want a shoulder to listen, a shoulder, a shoulder to cry on, an ear that listens to them. And when you are that person, you have the ability to share your personal experience, your personal wisdom, what you've learned, your life experience, and that can be helpful to people. So it can be helpful to be this person who helps others, which is why we're all people helpers in our own way. And some of us are more than that. Some, people, some of us have that as a profession. Some of us make a podcast on it. So we all, we, we all have our own experience in life and our own challenges that we've dealt with and hopefully healed through that we can share with others. And, and, you know, that's a different story. I'm not talking about a personal connection and somebody wants your advice or anything like that, but I am talking about the professional atmosphere that this person presents and, um, their question to me about what's your thought on this? <laughs> I think if I was too close, this is my answer. I think if, if I was too close to the person that is supposed to be, I'm paying, I'm, I'm supposed to be getting their input, their advice. I'm paying them for their input, their advice. I really don't want to deal with their, how do I say this nicely? Their challenges. I want to say dysfunctions. I don't want to say that though. I don't want to say their dysfunctions or their toxic behaviors, but their challenges. I don't want to have to do that because I'm working on myself. That's what I pay you for. Now, at the same time, I do believe that any professional should say, I'm not qualified to help you or I'm not the right person for you. I think that's a very good piece of advice for someone who doesn't believe they can help the person that they're trying to help. That doesn't mean that this person who wrote has a bad therapist or the therapist was wrong or anything like that. It just means that it's important for any people helper to understand their limits and their limitations and say, there's not much more I can do for you. I mean, I've heard stories like that. The, the therapist said, there's nothing more I can do for you. And some people feel like abandoned when that happens, but you should be grateful in a way when that happens because you get the wrong person to help you. doesn't mean they're a bad person or not smart. It just means that they knew their limits. And some people have more specialties and areas that maybe go beyond what they can do to help you. So they'll share with you that they don't, they don't have that uh, capacity to help you. And that's very good. It is very good when your therapist says, I, I'm sorry, I don't know how else to help you. I can't move forward with you because there's somebody else out there that can and you don't want somebody to um, continue working with you if they're limited in how they can help you. And so with this person who wrote, and, and again, these are all personal opinions. You, If you have your own situation or your own circumstances, I'm not talking out of doing anything or into doing anything. I just want to give this person uh, the answer that would work best for them. And I think the answer that works best in my perspective or my viewpoint is you ask yourself, am I comfortable sharing with this person? Am I comfortable speaking about my issues, even though I know they have issues too? Am I comfortable sharing about my, my fears, my pains, my worries, my concerns, even my wins? Am I comfortable sharing all of that? And because I'm not finished. And am I also comfortable with the uh, advice or suggestions or their guidance? Am I comfortable with everything they do for me? Even though they have these other challenges in their life and 
they seem like they're people pleasing and they have these other things going on and I know about them. Am I still comfortable with the relationship, the professional relationship that we have as it is? And am I gaining, am, am I gaining anything from that relationship? Are they effective? Is another question. Are they effective for me? I look at therapy or coaching or any type of healing as something that should be pretty effective pretty quickly. Not everything can be that way. I had a client for over two years. We we met once a week and we were able to get through a lot of stuff, but he had a lot of stuff going on in his life. And so we worked together once a week until we got to the point where I said, I don't think I can be effective for you anymore. And he appreciated that. He said, well, that's great. That's uh, thank you for sharing that because um, I think that's what needs to happen too. So we were really simpatico. We were in sync with that where we both realized, Hey, this is the time because there's nothing else to talk about here. You've gotten through all your stuff. We've talked about it all. And I think you can handle this on your own. And again, he appreciated that. He appreciated that I was able to recognize it and he was also able to recognize it too. And uh, it was just the right time. And I think that is very helpful when you're a therapist or people helper or healer knows it's the right time. They'll tell you that, that shows a lot of integrity. It shows that they really are paying attention and it's not about them just collecting money from you. It's about your healing and growth. And if you're not healing and growing anymore because you've done a lot and you can do the rest on your own or they're not effective. That should be how it comes. I mean, at least how it comes up. It should be talked about. It should be talked about. And so to this person who wrote, if your therapist is still effective for you and you can be okay with her uh, nuances, her quirks, because the professional environment is still a professional environment, then I'm okay with that, which is probably not where some people thought I was going to go. <laughs> because I I do still want you to be discerning because if your therapist has challenges that are affecting your therapy, then it might be time to move on. But if it's not affecting your therapy and you can handle her quirks, then it's okay. Then just keep moving forward with her. But if her issues are affecting you and giving you issues and causing you to feel certain things that you don't want to feel and you have to go into therapy and talk about those extra things because she introduced those things into your life or triggered those things in your life, then I think it's important to ask yourself if this therapy is going to be effective for you any longer. So uh, that's my thought about this. If it's not affecting your current therapy the way it is, even though she might have her challenges and might have her issues, and she may even be dysfunctional in some areas, if she's effective for you, then uh, who cares? If she's effective for you, great. But if she's bringing in more challenges to your life and you find yourself thinking about those things and thinking about her issues, then it might be time to part ways and find someone else. This is a personal decision. She may be a really great therapist, and I don't want to take that away from you if she's been being effective, but uh, just question yourself there and see where you go with that. Oh, and um, I almost forgot to address this. You said that you did feel unsafe, that she didn't mention this before, and uh, her, her six weeks off or whatever. She's taking a month and a half off, and that made you feel unsafe. That's a, a boundary thing for sure. It sounds like she just messed up and she called you and said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh, and yeah, that, that can be a tricky situation. I'm going to have to say if she does that often and you feel unsafe often, then that's probably how you gauge it. If this is like a one-off thing, then it could have just been a, an accident. It could have been a slip. And I know when you do that kind of slip with somebody who might feel the way you felt, it's a little more impactful, that's for sure. You felt the impact when she did that, but it's it's going to be impossible to be perfect, even in a professional environment, even when you're a type A person with a schedule and a bullet list, checking things off and you have everything scheduled and everything in your task manager, sometimes you're just going to miss things. And so if it was unintentional and 
it, it sounds like it might have been unintentional and it's only a one-off it doesn't happen all the time and you feel like you can get past it if it doesn't happen again then my opinion is and again if she's effective for you and it's not affecting your professional relationship and your healing then i think it's okay just to say okay if it doesn't happen again i'm cool but if it does happen again you know you say this in your own mind then you have to decide and i think that's an important decision for you to make in your head is that uh if this happens again what am i going to do so that would be something you try on you ask yourself if this happens again what am i going to do i guess i'll do x whatever x is for you and that's a personal choice if this were me and i felt unsafe because they didn't tell me that one off okay no big deal let's just see if it happens again hopefully it doesn't and uh, everything goes well but again it, it depends on if they're effective for me or not so now i did leave out the comment that you made that said you've had the same therapist for about six years and she's very chaotic she's always running late and talks about her own situations often and maybe it is to make the situ make the situation seem more relatable but i do feel like sometimes the sessions benefit her more than me i left that out first of all it was an accident i didn't mean to leave that out <laughs> so i'm gonna add it in right here and uh the reason i want to add it here is because we talked about how if someone is effective for you and you can handle their nuances then it'll be okay i mean you can choose just you can decide if it's going to be okay or not but my goal is to get someone in a professional environment to be professional and not make it about them, make it about you. But like you said, maybe she shares her own stuff to be relatable. Something I do. I share my own stuff to be relatable, but also because I share how I've gotten through it, which should hopefully give you some tools to get through stuff as well. But one thing you said was that uh, you do feel like sometimes the sessions benefit her more than you. And you need to determine if you are benefiting at all. Are you benefiting? Do you feel like she wastes too much time on her own stuff? And if you think that it's benefiting her more than you, are you helping her with her own stuff? So I'm going to leave you with this, is that if you find yourself helping her through her stuff or giving her different perspectives or anything like that, then the therapeutic relationship is professional relationship is dissolving the professional relationship is you pay her to help you yes they can be friendly yes you can interact and it's my opinion that you can share your own stuff although in many uh, professional environments they don't do that they're told not to but um, some people do which I'm a fan of if it's going to help their client you can share you can share your personal stuff but if it becomes the client helping the therapist or people helper or healer, then who's paying who for what? And uh, I'm not saying it's bad necessarily. It just depends on your original arrangement. But I really think that if you are trying to get better and heal and work through your stuff, then that's what they should be there for. So... I'm going to leave you with that. There's probably some stuff that I said that maybe you can think about or maybe you've come to a conclusion, but that's my take. It's something I don't really talk about. I don't talk about other mental health professionals and how they do their job, and I'm not even qualified to do that. I'm giving you my personal experience, which is all I've got in this area. I mean, I can tell you what I would do <laughs> if it was my mental health professional doing this. I would probably be anxious by their anxiety. I would probably get anxious because I'm not here to soak their energy in. I'm not there to soak their problems in. I've got my own problems to deal with. And if they can't leave that out of the picture, because I know we all have problems. No person is perfect. We all have problems. That's not the issue. The issue is, is it bleeding into the therapeutic session or environment? And that's where I would, I would want to make sure it didn't. And if I have to talk to my therapist or coach or whatever and tell them, hey, look, you're bringing all your personal stuff in here and it's really making me uncomfortable, then they're probably not going to be the right person for me because I shouldn't even have to bring that up. That should be something they have already learned or 
implemented or that should be something that they detect in me. That should be something they see, like my body language, my faces, um, my inflection and my tone when we talk. So they're sharing something about their life. Am I curious? Am I getting it into it with them deeper? Is this something that I really feel is helping me? They should be able to tell, at least some of them should be able to tell because of their training. And so this just all comes down to the, uh, the type of person, the type of training they received and how you feel with them. And if you're feeling at all uncomfortable, you certainly have a right to say, uh, hey, this is my issue. Let me just tell you the rest of it. You know, bring it back on topic. And if they follow suit, great. But if they still have a tendency to come back to what they're talking about, come back to their issues, now you have somebody that's not getting it. They're not really following you. They're not there for you 100%. They are still stuck in their own stuff. And they might need to talk to somebody about that. Again, I'm not qualified to tell you who to listen to, who to talk to, and what works for you, what doesn't. I just like to look at any particular relationship, any professional relationship, and make a decision based on, am I getting a good return on my investment? Is this worth my investment? Because money is something we work hard for and we give it to people that we hope will help us and do something for us. And if all you're getting is a friendship out of it and you like that, if that, if that's what you want, great, your money's well spent. But if what you're getting is what you're trying to get is healing and you find yourself helping them a lot more and it's really dragging you down or de-energizing you, that's something you have to make a decision on. And it's an important one because there can be more effective therapists, more effective people helpers and coaches and healers out there that might be better suited to help you. There's usually the right type of person for the right type of person. Sometimes you have to, you have to find the right type of person to help you. I hope I'm the right type of person to tell you this. <laughs> I hope this helped. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I'm going to read you the uh, patrons of the week. These are the financial backers of the show. I call them patrons, and they are Larry, Anna, Michelle, Angel, and Crystal. Thank you so much for your patronage, for supporting the show. They value the show, and they decided to give back using money. I hope you're getting a good return on your investment. Anyone that becomes a patron, I hope you're getting value for what you have invested into the show. And if you feel like you're getting value like these patrons are and you want to give back too, head over to moretob.com and you'll have options to do that over there. Thank you, patrons. I am grateful for you. And if you're ever not getting value from the show, let me know. <laughs> I want to know. I want to be the person that you say, hey, look, uh, you spent way too much time on this subject. And you repeated yourself 68 times. We don't need to hear that. Okay, good to know. Thank you so much. I will take that into account next time. <laughs> so thank you, patrons, once again. And for showing how to navigate the difficult relationship, head over to loveandabuse.com. I've been doing that podcast, Love and Abuse, since uh, 2019, the beginning of 2019. And uh, that show has gotten more and more popular because, unfortunately, there's a lot of difficulties in relationships, a lot of uh, dysfunctional behavior, toxic behavior. And I talk about all of that over there, loveandabuse.com. And if you find that you're the difficult one in the relationship, head over to healedbeing.com. And uh, I have a robust program to help you navigate through the difficult relationship and maybe even give you the best tools to help save your relationship it's, if it's on the verge of failing. That's healedbeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And for my final words, I'm going to read this message that uh, is inspiring. And I want to read it. It says, this person wrote, I just had to write to, write to you to share something. It's actually scary too. <laughs> to share something that happened today. I've been really unhappy in my job. And I decided to push out on my own to run my own business. It's a couple weeks until my contract ends and my work has just called and offered me a 40% pay raise to change my mind. Wow. Guess what I said? I said no. 
No amount they offer me will make me change my mind because the job will still make me unhappy and I deserve to do something that I enjoy. Thanks to your podcast, I know my worth. I know I deserve happiness and I have built the strength to believe in myself. So thank you. That, I mean, I'm tearing up. That was such a powerful, beautiful, scary (laughs) message. Because imagine that. Imagine you're going to go out on your own and do your own thing. And your boss or whoever comes to you from the job you're quitting and says, we want to give you another 40 or 50% than you're making now. Whoa, what an offer. But it's more than money. If you are doing something you hate or you even dislike and you're spending 8, 10, 12, 15 hours a day sometimes for people, if you're doing that every day and you really want to get out of that, so you go you go out and you decide to do your own thing, something that you enjoy, and then they say, we'll give you more money to continue doing what you don't like. What do you think? <laughs> so it's scary, right? Because money is like, I want more money. Yes, of course. But it's so scary to say no. And this is one of those things where you have to weigh what you know against what you don't know and what you know you don't like against what you don't know will happen. This is very similar to um, relationships. Like if you are in a relationship that is very difficult and no matter what you do, you just, you're just not happy. They're not happy. Maybe you're always fighting. You know what to expect pretty much almost on a daily basis. You know what to expect. You know, if nothing changes, nothing will change. So there you arrive every day in the same relationship with the same stuff happening over and over again, hoping it will change, but it never does. And then you think, oh boy, I better get out of this relationship. I mean, you might think this. Maybe you have to do this. I better get out of this relationship. And then they say, I promise I'll change. I'll be the person that you met. I am so in love with you and I want this to work out. I'll do anything. And so you think, wow, if it's true, this would be great. And so maybe you stick around a while and they do change for a few weeks. And then it's back to what you don't like, back to hurt, back to pain, back to whatever it was before. And then you think, oh, this is it. I I can't do it anymore. And so you decide to leave. And then they say, please don't leave. Please don't leave. I'll tell you what, I'll write out a contract and I promise to change this time. I promise. So what they're doing is sweetening the deal, but You've seen what they've done. You've seen what they've offered before and they've offered it maybe over and over again and it's going to be a repeat of the same thing. You know it. But the deal is so sweet and you want to stick around and find out if it's true. But it's not. At least in my example, it's not. So the deal gets sweeter and sweeter but the situation never changes because you're still unhappy. So that's kind of the relationship situation that some people run into. And I look at this and I, that's what I think of, Hey, you don't like the job. I'll tell you what, let's make it sweeter to continue doing what you don't like. Let's give you more money to continue doing what you don't like. Now, some people would want that. I'm not saying that you should say no. I'm saying that you can't allow the sweetness to compel you to continue doing something you don't like. I mean, you can. (laughs) Don't listen to me. You can or you can't. But in my opinion, you shouldn't allow the sweetness to compel you to continue doing something you don't like. Because what's going to happen? You're going to be there another 8, 10, 12 hours the next day and the next day and the next day continuing to be unhappy. And I'm not saying there isn't a huge risk involved here. I haven't even addressed that. There is a risk. She is risking a lot. She is risking a known variable, a known amount of money. She knows she can stay and they'll give her this money, but she'll be unhappy and she would rather be happy. 
And I know what you might be thinking, the first thing that might come to mind is, what if she starts this new job and doesn't make it? What if she doesn't make the money she wants? What if she regrets it? A lot of what ifs. A lot. But what she's done is value her mental health. She's valuing her well-being. She's valuing how she feels inside over how much money she makes. Yeah, but money can give you more options. She can get a better car, better house, better health insurance. She can pay for her this, pay for that. Yeah. And she'll still be doing something she doesn't like for 8, 10, 12 hours a day. I just don't see that either. And this is, I mean, she is me. <laughs> if I was doing something, and I've done this, 8, 10, 12 hours a day, and I didn't like it, it wouldn't matter how much they paid me because I would still be unhappy for the major portion of a day every single day I went in. That's a lot of life that goes by being unhappy. Or I can put my efforts towards something that I really enjoy doing. And yes, it's a risk, but I'm going to do this because I want the reward of happiness. I want the reward of fulfillment, of meaning and purpose in my life. I want to feel that. I don't want to go to this dead-end job that, yeah, pays me great, but I'm unhappy. I don't want to be in this dead-end relationship that they keep promising they're going to do better and going to do better and it never happens. I'm unhappy. I don't want that every day. I want to do something that fulfills me and it's a huge risk and I'm willing to take that risk because the reward is happiness. It's a different path. It's a different way of thinking. And this is not advice. I will not ever tell you to leave a job and risk it all. That is definitely another personal choice. I'm just sharing with you that sometimes our values can be mixed. Sometimes we can value something over something else. For example, value, valuing money over happiness. But when we come home, what do we spend our money on? Probably something to make us happy for the last three hours of the day. <laughs> so we worked 8, 10, 12 hours that day and we're unhappy the whole time. And then we finally get home and we can spend three hours just winding down preparing for the next unhappy day. I don't mean to depress anyone. That sounds depressing when I say it that way. Because, you know, there are there are ways to make your job better. And I've talked before about going into work and saying, look, I, I need something to help me. I need more resources. I need more money. I need XYZ so that I can be more efficient at this job and a happier person at this job. I mean, I've talked about that before. Sometimes we do have to speak up. And sometimes that's risky too, because if they're a jerk, <laughs> they're going to say, well, we don't need you. Get out of here. We'll hire somebody that will take our abuse. Hopefully they never say that, but it's kind of what you feel. If you're just thrown out on the street because you're just expendable or whatever, then what am I doing there? Ugh. And sometimes we have to go through situations in our life and work and career that we don't like for a while. I'm not saying that you should just get up and leave. I'm saying that sometimes we do have to make a plan to change our direction, change course, and uh, it can be scary as hell. It's scary leaving something that you know is a solid thing, that you know is consistent. It is scary. And every time I've done it in my life, it's always ended up for the better. I remember leaving that job. I told you about this. If you've listened before, I told you about this uh, company I worked for after my wife and I were practically homeless, going to the soup kitchen every day. And um, I finally got a job and I hated it. But I needed the job. I needed the money. And then I decided to quit with my wife's support when I was married back then. And it was the best day of my life. <laughs> it felt so good. I didn't care. And she fortunately was supportive. If we went back to the soup kitchen and got our food there every day because we were eating 
but at least, oh, I was happy. So again, I'm not saying this as inspiration or motivation to quit or do anything rash or do anything crazy. I'm just asking you to make sure your values are in the right place. If you really value money over being happy, that's fine. Chase it. That's great. Because what you value most is going to fulfill you when you fulfill it. If you value money over being happy, you're probably going to be happy by default because you got money. If, you know, if money comes your way. If you value happiness before money and you're in a place that makes you unhappy, no matter how much money they give you, you'll always be unhappy. And that's sad unless you ask them, look, I need X, Y, Z in order for me to feel comfortable here and continue working here. So that's a, another episode. I've talked about that before, but I wanted to thank this person for sharing this with me. She said, thanks to your podcast. I know my worth. It wasn't me. I just reminded you of your worth maybe, or told you how to find it. <laughs> I told you it was there. You just had to dig a little deeper maybe. And you said, you know, you deserve happiness and you have built the strength to believe in yourself. And oh, man, that touches me. Thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate you. And thanks for listening again. Always keep an open mind. That's how you step into your power to create the life you want. Talk about stepping in your power and creating the life you want. This is exactly what she did. She is taking the steps that I tell you to take every week, the steps to grow and evolve. And sometimes that involves risk. Yes, but you are powerful beyond measure. So you will find the strength to get through anything. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Yeah.